You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One win away. On that joyous note, welcome back to Locked on Rockets, the only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent for Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship. What a lit Thursday night it was at Toyota Center. Rockets 98-94 winners in Game 5 over the defending champion Warriors. Rockets now have a three games to two lead in the best of seven series with two chances to close it out. Game 6 on Saturday night at Oracle Arena in Oakland. And if the Warriors are able to survive, then it would move to a Game 7 winner take all on Monday night, Memorial Day, in Houston. What my ears are still ringing. What an incredible night it was. The fans at Toyota Center brought it. I don't think anyone in the arena was was in their seats for the final, I would say, at least nine minutes, maybe the entire fourth quarter. The crowd willed the Rockets to that win, and defensively, they did it again. It's amazing, despite the legacies of James Harden, Chris Paul, Mike D'Antoni, held them to 12 points, the Warriors, that is, in the fourth quarter of Game 4, held them to 22 tonight. The Rockets went into the fourth quarter with a deficit, but outscored them 27-22 to down the stretch. It was an ugly game for the Rockets. Atypical shot, just 37% overall, 30% from three. James Harden, 19 points, but struggled tremendously. 0 of 11 from three, just 5 of 21 overall. Chris Paul, 20 points, 6 of 19 shooting. Eric Gordon, 6 of 15, but 24 big points off the bench. Team high, got to the free throw line 10 times, made 9 of those. And his defense, for all that's been made about Eric Gordon defensively this postseason being underwhelming, he was tremendous tonight. He moved his feet. He's harder to move than you would think on a low block. A lot of Warriors tried to have success against him, and Eric's tough to move. And on top of it, he has great defensive instincts. And so I thought Eric, of course, the 24 points goes without saying. Three three-pointers got to the line 10 times, but he was an all-around playmaker. And that's good to see because given what happened in the last minute of the game with Chris Paul, you might need him for even a bigger role on Saturday. So, so many storylines in this big win for the Rockets that puts them one win away from the NBA Finals. But I'm going to start with the good and the bad in a normal three points recap, which is Chris Paul. The good is that after starting a woeful 0 of 7 for two points in the first half, he seemed to put the Rockets on his back in the second half. Made six of his 12 shots. Actually made six of his first nine. I think he missed his last three, but he seemed to be running out of gas a little bit for having to do so much of the heavy lifting. But 18 points on 50% shooting in the second half for CP3. So many big shots. Even had the three over Stephen Curry, followed by the shimmy after it. It was a great night for playoff CP3 with so much on the line. And then, unfortunately, in the final minute, straining his right hamstring. He already had the issue on that right leg with his foot, whatever that is. I've suspected Gimpy Achilles, but we never got official confirmation on exactly what the issue is there. All we know following the game is that he was not available to media. He was already getting treatment. 
on the hamstring. Mike D'Antoni said there'll be an evaluation tomorrow. I'm sure we'll get an update in the morning, probably via email. And of course, you guys, if you follow me on Twitter, at Ben Dubose, you'll find out very, very quickly what the diagnosis is. My guess is that they'll say he has a strained hamstring and that he's day-to-day. They said after the game he was already getting treatment, and that's a good sign because if he were going to shut it down, which I think is laughable, uh, he would not be getting treatment. You would send him home. The fact that he's getting treatment is because he's planning on a return. In my opinion, the question for Chris and the Rockets, we heard after the game from guys like P.J. Tucker, Gerald Green, who noted how tough Chris is and said that they couldn't imagine him sitting out. I can't imagine Chris sitting out the series with the Rockets being one game away from the NBA Finals and if the Rockets get to the NBA Finals, no matter what the status of Chris Paul is, in my opinion, the Rockets would be very large favorites over either Boston or Cleveland. So effectively, you're one game away from being in the driver's seat for all of your goals. And I think that's going to weigh heavily in terms of how the Rockets manage this injury, which is that even if he theoretically could make it worse, a lot of times it's not that a player can't play through a hamstring initially. It's that the risk of making it worse is something that is usually not over the balance of 82 games, or even in the playoffs, even if it's a game one or a game two, something the player is willing to do based on the longer-term play. In this case, Chris Paul at 33 years old, he and the Rockets, one went away from what many people thought unthinkable going into the series, beating the Golden State Warriors four times out of seven. I don't think his series is done. I think they would play through it, and I think there is some precedent for it. You look back to the the Game 7, the infamous one, Clippers-Spurs in the first round of the 2015 playoffs. That was when the Spurs were the defending champions, and Chris had a pretty bad hamstring strain in the first half of that Game 7 against the Spurs. And not only did he play through it, he actually had the game-winning shot over Tim Duncan virtually at the buzzer, one of his legendary games. Now, it wasn't that the hamstring went away. He actually missed the first two games of the next round, which was the series against the Rockets, in which the Clippers eventually blew the 3-1 lead, that Chris set out. But he did push through it in that Game 7, a combination of immediate treatment, adrenaline, all the things that that go through this kind of winner-take-all scenario that we mentioned earlier. So we're not going to know anything officially until tomorrow. I didn't see a significant limp after the game, but of course we saw the expressions of him on the bench in the last 20 seconds. He wanted to be out there, and even if he does play, it is going to be a limitation, and let's be real, that sucks. It does take a tiny bit of the shine off it, because as great as Chris Paul was tonight, you need more from the rest of your roster to overcome, because I don't know that you're going to have peak Chris Paul until next season. The good news is that it's not like the Rockets played anywhere near a perfect game. You mentioned James Harden struggles. The team as a whole shooting just 37%, 30% from three. So the Rockets do have some upward mobility in terms of other guys on that roster picking up the pieces, if not in game six in Oakland, certainly in a game seven. Now, as far as Chris in particular, to me, what the Rockets have to decide, and it's going to come down to the long game, I think, versus instinct. His instinct being, I've got to gut it out. I've got to play. Is Saturday night in Oakland really worth the plane flight, which would be three to four hours out to the West Coast and running up and down on it for, I would imagine, at least 30 minutes in a game that the Rockets would be underdogs regardless? Now, the Rockets would bristle if you 
phrase it like that to the players because they don't think they're underdogs. They think they can win in Oakland and close it out there. They just won their last game there in game four. And it's certainly not impossible. But the reality at the Rockets' brain trust, and when I say brain trust, I mean Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey, all the executives in the organization, they're going to have to weigh the reality that the Rockets are legitimately an underdog in Oakland, especially if Chris Paul is not 100%. So would it materially make his chances better in a Game 7 if he stayed in Houston, got round-the-clock treatment, and basically 72 hours completely off before cutting it loose on Monday in a winner-take-all scenario, let the adrenaline flow, and even if you end up making it worse, well, if the Rockets are able to get the win, then I think the Rockets would be favorites in the finals, even without Chris Paul, but I think a much more reasonable scenario would be you find a way to get this final game of this series, then just like the Clippers did for the first two rounds of the second round series in 2015, potentially you sit Chris for those first two games in Houston of the NBA Finals if you get there, because the Rockets in Houston against either Boston or Cleveland, what now looks like Boston, I think even without Chris Paul, the Rockets would still be fairly significant favorites. Not overwhelming, but even without Chris, I think you'd at least be favored by six or eight points in those games. The Eastern Conference just not especially good. So none of this is fun to discuss. I'm not meaning to overlook it because it sucks for Chris that at 33 years old and in a game that was not vintage when you look at the box score playoff CP3 because, yes, he was 6 of 19. At the same time, the way he came on in the second half, when especially James couldn't seem to throw it in the ocean for whatever reason, he had Toyota Center on a string. And so to see that happen late, you feel bad for the guy. You hope for the best. Ultimately, my guess is that what we hear tomorrow is that it's day-to-day. It's a hamstring injury. I doubt we get that much of an update. But what I think we will hear is if he gets on the plane to game six, because in my opinion, there's no reason to let him on the plane flight if you think there's a 50-50 shot or better that he's not going to play. I think if you're leaning towards him not playing, then you need to say, look, keep him in Houston, get him round-the-clock treatment, and hope in Oakland, you never know, James Harden's the MVP of the league, Eric Gordon played really well tonight and had... The dagger three off a pass from James Harden, of all things, with just over a minute to go. It's not unfathomable that the Rockets could close out the series without CP3. Much crazier things have happened. This is a very, very good Rockets basketball team. Go back to the first 15 games of the season when Chris Paul played just the one game in Oakland and then sat out the next 14, and the Rockets played incredibly well in that stretch with Eric Gordon at an all-star level. I know the Warriors are a different beast, and now their backs are up against the wall. But crazier things have happened. That said, I'm not oblivious. It sucks for CP3. It sucks for the Rockets because it does limit their upside. I just think some of the initial reaction is over the top. I think, especially if you save him for a Game 7, give him round-the-clock treatment, then kick in the adrenaline of a Game 7 against the defending champs, what he's waited his entire career for, I think you could see Chris Paul again this series and play very well. It is going to be an issue for him until he gets several months off this offseason. We just have to be real about that. But at the same time, the good news for the Rockets is that it didn't occur early in the series. It occurred when the Rockets effectively had already closed out three of the four games against by far their biggest competition. So you've just got to get one more game. And ultimately, I do think that's on the table. But now that game three, or game three, when I say that, I mean in terms of 
the four wins the Rockets have to get to get to the NBA Finals is in the books. I think now the next thing on the agenda is how the Rockets are going to manage this Chris Paul injury. And to me, I think the battle is going to be uh, Chris Paul's desires to go out there and not miss a game versus the Rockets, who may feel in their guts as an organization that the odds are better saving up for a home Game 7, given that, from what I see in Vegas, they're already double-digit underdogs, Warriors minus 10 or minus 10.5, depending on the books, for that Saturday night Game 6. To me, that's the calculus, but we can talk more about that tomorrow when the diagnosis is out. For now, let's salute Chris Paul, who picked up the Rockets tonight on a night where offensively, sure, you give the the Warriors some credit. They're a great defensive team. They were buckled in, but the Rockets needed someone in the second half just to step up and make some contested jumpers. That's what he did, just enough to get the Rockets in front early in the fourth quarter. And then the Rockets, it was a game in which, in theory, it was there for the taking, but the Rockets were able to play largely from in front down the stretch of the fourth quarter and combine that with their defense, and that was just enough. Wanted to make sure that we led about Chris Paul because certainly that's going to be the story of Friday and moving forward until his status is clear. By the way, one final note that I should have thrown in, I actually think it's a little bit better that it's his right hamstring rather than his left because we already know there's the issue with his right foot. To me, it would be very, very troubling if you had what's going on with his foot and then added a hamstring injury to the other leg. The fact that it's a leg that's already not 100%, certainly it's painful, certainly it sucks, but at least there's still one good leg. Now, in a perfect world, you would rather it be the left leg and not the right, since you know you sort of use the right a little bit more in terms of your burst, your explosion, especially for a guy who's right-handed and likes to go to his right. But at the same time, the fact that he does have one good leg, I do think that helps him gut through a little bit, especially in a one-game scenario. Now, aside from Chris, because we can talk about how Chris stepped up, and I'm sure a lot of folks are also going to be wondering, why didn't James Harden? Especially because if Chris Paul is out, even if it's just for one game, the only scenario in which the Rockets can potentially win a game without Chris Paul, especially in Oakland, is for James Harden to be massive. And let's be honest, it was not a good game for James 19 points, but 5 of 21 from the field, 6 turnovers, although all 6 turnovers came in the first half and then the first couple of minutes of the third quarter actually did not have any turnovers down the stretch of the game and actually had a very critical assist to Eric Gordon on the 3 that put the Rockets up by 4, the big one, with about 80 seconds to go. With James, it's pretty clear his 3-point shot is off. Going back to Game 4, he's now missed, I think, his last 20 or 21 And some of the turnovers were actually caused by the fact that he was noticeably not trusting the three. And maybe you could even go back to the play early in game four when everyone wanted to psychoanalyze Harden when he had that open three off the loose ball scenario and passed it up. Maybe it's that even back then he didn't trust his form. The good news is that it's something that you can work out mechanically and there is a lot of randomness to it. For example, the regular season, there was a stretch finishing with that Sunday San Antonio game that they lost in which Harden was like 6 of 40 over 5 or 6 games and everyone was wringing their hands over it. And what happened the next two games? He went 5 of 8, that's 63%, and 3 of 6 against the Wizards in Portland that week. And those are two teams that are not all that bad defensively. Then finished up the year uh, 38% against OKC 
and 43% from three against the Lakers. So it can turn very, very quickly. And the key for me with James, I actually thought it was one of his better games defensively. He moved his feet pretty well, actually, on that final sequence in which uh, the Warriors down one and they got hard and isolated on Curry. I thought James actually moved his feet well, contested. P.J. Tucker came and forced a little more arc on that shot than Curry wanted and ultimately the miss. But throughout the game, I thought James did a lot of good things defensively. He stayed engaged. He made 50% of his shots inside the arc. He got to the line nine times and made all of those. So it wasn't like he checked out. And even though the threes weren't falling, okay, well, the defining play of the game for the Rockets from an offense perspective with the ball up one with under a minute and a half left was James making a play off the dribble on the drive and then finding Eric Gordon for the three. So we have seen games in the past where James Harden disengaged in which things didn't go his way and it affected his effort in other phases. I don't think it happened tonight. I actually think it was one of his better defensive games. I thought he did facilitate down the stretch in the fourth quarter, got a lot of open looks. By the way, throughout the game, the Rockets shot just 30% from three, but they had a ton of really good looks that just didn't go in. And a lot of those were on passes from Harden. So even though he just had four assists, I think when you watch the film, you'll see that the Rockets, they had a lot of looks that for whatever reason just didn't go in, even aside from James Harden going going O of, of 11. James need to, needs to make his threes, and I'm sure he's going to be hard at work. If not tonight, then first thing tomorrow when he gets back to the gym for practice. But aside from that, I don't see that much to really worry about. I mean, he needs to turn around. He needs to be much, much better for the Rockets to get a game four, especially to get a fourth game in this series, that is, especially if Chris Paul is either out or in a compromised state. But ultimately, not all failures are equal. Now, first off, in in this case, it's not a total failure because the Rockets won the game and James Harden did make some winning plays down the stretch. So let's keep that in mind. But in terms of off nights, and certainly this was for James, not all off nights are created equal. There are off nights like, for example, game six against San Antonio last year, which everyone loves to mention, in which he shoots just 11 times and seems disinterested. I did not sense that at all tonight. I thought he played through it actually early in the fourth quarter when it seemed like Chris Paul, I don't know if he was fatiguing a little bit or wanted to rely too much on his three-point stroke. Chris had a couple of just throwaway possessions early in the fourth quarter after making a crazy circus shot. And then James came in with the Rockets down one and they immediately went on a 5 nothing run to push that lead to multiple possessions for the first time. I think the first time they had led by multiple possessions in the second half. So let's not act like that this was a zero game from James. He struggled with a shot, and that's unfortunate, and it needs to get a lot better, but he still contributed in a lot of other phases. Mentally, I don't think he checked out. He's got to be a lot better in Oakland, but ultimately, he knows that, and in my opinion, if he keeps shooting, and by the way, he shot 21 times, most of anyone on the Rockets, so even though he was missing, didn't matter. He stayed with it, and it didn't turn around tonight, but ultimately, you got two more games in this series, uh, at least one, but the Rockets can't lose without it being at least two games. And ultimately, I think if James trusts the process, then there's a good shot that it's eventually going to turn around. And he did have a great first half in Oakland in game four. Maybe that the change of scenery is good for him. We'll have to see what happens on Saturday. Certainly, there's a bigger load for him if 
Chris is out or limited, but ultimately look what Eric Gordon did tonight in 36 minutes, 24 points. And, you know, he made just three of 10 threes, but A, some of them came at crucial points. The second game in a row in which Eric has had a money three for you in the final two and a half minutes. But beyond that, getting to the line 10 times, he was aggressive in this game when it felt like the Warriors so dialed in defensively, you just had to make some plays in one-on-one situations. That's what Eric was able to do for you. And even on a night when your three-point shooters did not really connect overall, at the same time, you had just enough between the three guards, Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon, to gut it out. As far as the remainder of your rotation, not a banner night. Trevor Ariza, one of six. P.J. Tucker, three of six, which is better, but uh, his two corner threes came in the first half. Gerald Green gave you 16 big minutes off the bench, plus five, three of five from behind the arc. Uh, But again, that was in the first half. And the guy, I can't believe I've gone this far without mentioning, Clint Capella played just 27 minutes, but in those 27 minutes, 12 points, 14 boards, two blocks. He was an animal in the first half. The Rockets chose to go with the tuck wagon lineup down the stretch, which is understandable. But if there's one thing I think y'all should learn from this series, you don't beat a team like Golden State just by magically making a few plays at the end of a game. It takes a full 48 minutes. So in game four, you mentioned James Harden having an incredible first half, 24 points playing out of his mind. Well, a lot of the damage tonight in the first half was from Clint Capella, and he wasn't out there down the stretch of the game, played 27 minutes, did up his minutes closer to 30, which is something that Mike D'Antoni wanted to do to tick down the minutes for some of his regulars. No one played more than 42 tonight, and that was Ariza and Tucker. But Capella making so many plays on the glass and controlling the paint also had a statement block on Draymond Green right at the rim. That was a big part of how you were able to play most of the first half in front, had a little bit of slippage at the end when it seemed like you couldn't throw it in the ocean, got frustrated with the officiating, which was extremely inconsistent tonight, and the Warriors made a few plays that, well, the defending champion Warriors are going to make. We haven't spent much time on them tonight, but Kevin Durant did what he does, 29 points. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson had 22 and 23, respectively. Even without Andre Udala, they are still beast and having you mentioned Draymond Green who 12 points 15 boards four assists the usual huge impact he makes defensively so it wasn't easy for the Rockets tonight and it's not going to be easy to close out the series ultimately you just have to make enough plays over 48 minutes and sometimes it's not what happens down the stretch sometimes it's being able to get through a first half in which the Rockets shot just 25 percent from three and 36 percent overall and yet they were level to in front for most of it, and a lot of that was Clint Capella. So I know he wasn't out there late, but you shouldn't forget it, because against the Warriors, every minute counts. You can't throw away a minute or two in the first half and expect to overcome it later. It just doesn't work that way. It takes a full commitment over 48 minutes, and fortunately, that's what we've seen from the Rockets throughout this series. Final thoughts. Think about where the Rockets are right now. They are one game away from defeating the Golden State Warriors with their four All-Stars and two MVPs. They have already taken three games in a series that most expected them to lose in five, a few, even four, from what I saw across NBA Twitter. And after game one, which they lost by double digits at home and the takes were over that this series was a formality, the Rockets have actually won 
three of four games since then. This team is incredibly resilient, and for all the talk entering the series about the Warriors having just such a greater margin of error, look what happened tonight. James Harden had one of his worst games in the entire playoffs, 5 of 21. Chris Paul was 6 of 19. Chris Paul and James Harden combined were just 11 of 40, barely over 25%. Eric Gordon was 3 of 10 from 3. Trevor Ariza was 1 of 6. This was not a game in which the Rockets played anywhere near close to their A game. And yet they won, and they led for a majority of the game. Think about that. Think about that the next time you hear someone act like that inevitably the Warriors are just simply the better team. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy because the Warriors are certainly close enough that it would not be unfathomable for them to certainly win a home game and then get to a Game 7 where anything can happen, especially if Chris Paul is compromised. But the Rockets have won three out of four basketball games against these guys. They've now won five of eight going back to the regular season, and all of those felt like prize fights as well. Maybe the Rockets are just a whole heck of a lot better than a lot of people want to give them credit for. And I know they don't have all the All-Stars. Even today with the All-NBA team, teams announced, Chris Paul did not even get on the third team somehow. James Harden, the only Rocket, of course, being a unanimous first-teamer on any of the three All-NBA teams. And yet, despite the Rockets not passing the so-called traditional eye test, their results speak for themselves. 65 wins in the regular season, an 800 winning percentage for the first two rounds of the playoffs against two pretty damn good teams in Minnesota and Utah, and now up three games to two against the Golden State Warriors, even with Chris Paul not being able to finish game five, James Harden clearly not himself. There's a lot of things that aren't going right for the Rockets, and yet they are still winning. That's a testament to how much of a team this is. The effort defensively, the focus, the game plans, offensively from Mike D'Antoni, defensively from Jeff Bezdelic. We're at a point now, up three games to two in the series. As I mentioned, they've won five of eight overall this season against Golden State. It's kind of silly to just expect the other shoe to drop and that miraculously when Golden State decides they care, which was the narrative after game one and even after game three, that the series is just over. No, the Rockets are not just a cute story that tries, a team that tries hard. This is a really, really good basketball team, potentially a great one, and for all that's going to be written about the status of Chris Paul, and it's a fair discussion to have, but even without Chris Paul, there's a way the Rockets can win one more game, especially if it's in Houston, where the crowd was just incredible tonight. For all that's been said about Rockets fans, the Toyota Center environment, it was tremendous and a big part of what happened in the fourth quarter, as loud as I have ever heard it. My ears still ringing an hour after the game. The Rockets, it's not like they have to have everything go right just to have a chance. They've got plenty in the tank. Think about all the open looks they missed tonight. Yeah, the Warriors had good defense, especially down the stretch, but in the first half, the Rockets easily could have been about 15 or 20. I don't know if it was nerves, just randomness, whatever it may be. They missed a lot of good looks, and 
sometimes that happens. But if there's one thing we know about the Rockets, they're going to keep shooting, and it would not floor me at all if some of those looks go in on Saturday, led by James Harden, who has now missed his last 20 or so threes in this series. And by the way, to piggyback off the Harden point, anyone equating three-point struggles to effort is just being ludicrous. You can criticize his mental state, his effort, if I mentioned the defense, the disengagement, some of the things we've seen in the past. But if the primary issue is three-point shooting, you can't just fix your three-point shooting by trying harder. You can't, if somebody can't shoot threes, you can't just yell at them and say, try harder, and then it's actually going to go in. No, that's a matter of execution, and he's going to work on it. No one takes their craft more seriously than James, and it wouldn't shock me if he makes a lot of those on Saturday. Because, as I mentioned, he's had off and on stretches throughout the year. It's just a matter of, can the Rockets dig down and get one more game, and ultimately, it's not going to be easy, especially if Chris Paul is out or limited, but we've seen enough for the Rockets this year that at this point, I'm feeling pretty good. Could I be feeling better if I didn't see Chris Paul grab his hamstring with 20 seconds left? Yes, but as far as those wanting to go fatalistic and saying, oh, typical Houston sports stuff, getting right on the cusp of this incredible championship run and then losing Chris Paul, we've got an entire offseason to what if, if that ends up being the scenario. For now, the way I'm looking at it, this great Rockets team that's won three of five this series and five of eight overall this season against the Warriors, all they've got to do is win one game in two tries, either Saturday in Oakland or Monday night in Houston. And if they do, the Rockets, they've done it. They've slayed the Dragon and they would go into an NBA Finals where with or without Chris Paul, They would be pretty heavy favorites to win the first title uh, since the mid-90s for your Houston Rockets. Don't know how to say it any better than that, so I'm going to leave it there. We'll talk more tomorrow, of course, when we get the official diagnosis for Chris, but I doubt we get that much clarity, at least in terms of the long-term picture. I think maybe we can update on Game 6, but beyond that, I don't expect really any huge news tomorrow unless it's somehow worse than all of us are expecting. But by him immediately getting treatment after the game, I'm not anticipate this being something where he's just got to shut down. Him getting treatment, and to me, is a pretty clear signal that he's planning on returning. It's not a matter of, uh, of if, it's a matter of when. And I think that's the appropriate point to leave off. By the way, one final thing I should mention. Saturday night's game six, the Rockets are doing a great initiative. They're doing a watch party on the big screens at Toyota Center. $10 cover to get in, but all proceeds from that will go to Santa Fe relief efforts after the tragic school shooting last Friday over in Santa Fe, Texas, just 30 miles southeast of Houston. So if you're in Houston and want to go out, that's a great use of your time and money. I'll be there. And if y'all see me, please feel free to say hi and we'll talk about what's going on and we can uh, go through the nerves and all the various stages of uh, a marquee playoff game together. We'd love to see some of y'all Saturday for that. And of course, the Rockets don't close it out then, then uh, the winner-take-all game seven would be Monday night back at Toyota Center. For now, though, I think this is where we can leave off. As always, appreciate y'all so much for tuning in. Want more content in the interim? Best place to get it is on Twitter. I am at Ben Dubose. The show is at Locked on Rockets. Also, don't forget, website, Locked on Rockets at, uh, or LockedOnRockets.com. Email at LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook account at Facebook.com slash Locked on Rockets. Always, you can access our content. 
uh, ask me questions about the team, suggestions for the show, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better podcast for you, the diehard Rockets fan. Also, if you're not subscribing to us already, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Megaphone, wherever you listen to your music or your audio, search for Locked on Rockets. You should be able to find us. Subscribe to us. That's how you'll get episodes right when they come out. You'll get notifications. And also, if you haven't already left us a five-star review, please do so. That's how we're able to make the business model work and be financially viable because, well, that makes us attractive to prospective advertisers and make the business model work with us being the only daily podcast covering the NBA's winningest team and now a team that is just one win away from the NBA Finals. So for tonight, Houston, uh, I think we can rest. Once again, the happy final from Toyota Center, Rockets 98, Warriors 94. Rockets now just one win away from the NBA Finals. Game 6, Saturday night in Oakland. Will Chris Paul be a part of that? Stay tuned, but whatever the resolution, we'll have more very soon right here at Locked on Rockets, your home for daily coverage of Houston Rockets basketball.